0: Welcome, everyone, to Healing Hope and Restoration. I'm your co-host, Tiffany.
1: And I'm Howard.
0: And today we have a very interesting topic for you today. It's one that I think you'll enjoy, and it's one that we're going to endearingly call always on the verge of a fight.
1: Yeah, Tiffany, and part of the reason we're calling it that is because it seems post-COVID, as if society is ramped up to a fevered pitch just waiting to be offended. And I've noticed examples of it recently uh, on the highway, in the store, at a restaurant, Uh, the impatience level, the demands just seem to be, you're offending me and I'm going to express myself right now. When really, if you look at any relationship the possibility of being offended is
0: endless.
1: (laughs) So, so, you know, we we just kind of have to regroup and pull back. I I thought of a song from the 1960s called For What It's Worth, Mm -hmm. and one of the phrases in there is, uh, nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Hmm. And and I think that, you know, uh, that may seem a little extreme, but when we press what we believe is right, without trying to see anything through the lens of the other person, then the only place we can go is defensiveness and offensiveness versus being able to say, let's talk.
0: Those will kill relationships. They will rob our joy and have us almost seeing... um unjust treatment around every corner. Um, it'll keep us from giving people the benefit of the doubt or allowing people to maybe even just have a bad moment because we're constantly believing that somehow we're being done wrong. I was telling you as we were preparing for this, I was telling you a story when I was teaching of uh, you know a set of parents that came in and wanted to talk to me. They just requested a meeting. And when, I didn't know what the meeting was about initially, but when we sat down, they wanted to talk about a grade that had been entered for their child. And that's fine. And like, it's a conversation I was more than happy to have. And they were um, concerned about how it was entered and the amount of points that that child received. And I hadn't finalized grades yet. And so my response to them was, oh, you know what, I'll go back and take a look at it. And, you know, if I made any mistake it was a mistake that I made across the board. It wasn't just your child. It was everybody in my class. And if I made a mistake, then I will definitely go back and fix it. No problem. Thought that was the end of the conversation. Um, the mother in the situation, um, kind of shifted really quickly and was like, and if this is not handled or taken care of, I'm going to go above your head to your principal. And like immediately became very, very defensive and I was caught off guard because I thought our conversation up to that point was very civil. And so I paused for a moment and I said, if I made a mistake, like, I will go back and fix it and just reiterated what I said. I said, but you have to give me a chance to look at it and figure out what I did wrong. If I did something wrong, and the husband said she said she'll fix it let's go like it's like listen to what she said and i had to tell her i said i want you to know that contrary to popular belief like i don't want your child to fail like i want all my students to do well and be successful now given i know that parent had had some struggles with other teachers um in regards to her child over the years Mm -hmm. and so i think she had grown accustomed to being on the defensive and having to um make sure that he wasn't being mistreated in some way, shape, or form. And so I understood it after that, but the experience of it was very off-putting.
1: Yes. And I think a lot of times um, what's going on is, is that um, people's perception of injustice or real injustice done to them, um, a lack of being able to uh, process in the moment, what I call active listening, Mm -hmm. to be able to slow your brain down and hear before you prepare for a response. Um, You know, in most conflictual situations, you can go looking for a fight Mm -hmm. or you can go looking to try to accomplish peace. Now, peace might come with uh, some intense dialogue, but ultimately if that's your goal, you'll achieve that. But if you go looking for a fight, that's what you'll get. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of times that, um, when that perception of injustice happens and those things take place, um, then the only thing we do is start thinking out of our emotional mind and the frontal cortex fails to operate. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to get our, you know, two cents worth in and we're going to make sure we get our money's worth. We are going to, I'm going to go over your head I'm, I'm going to go to this person. I'm going to do this. I'm going to threaten you. And um, those of us in the professional world probably at one time or another have had those situations. Yeah. And in learning how to deal with those folk uh, in a productive and professional manner requires what we're going to talk about today.
0: Absolutely. So as we were preparing, you know, the book that I actually thought of, um, immediately was a book by a man named John Bevere. He's written quite a few books and probably one of his most popular is called The Bait of Satan. And he talks about offense and how it is used to really, um, destroy relationships. And Mm -hmm. there's a quote in his book. He says, we can divide all offended people. And when we talk about offended people today, we're talking about kind of that idea of always being on the verge of a fight into two major categories, those who have been treated unjustly and those who believe they have been treated Mm -hmm. unjustly.
1: Yes. So if you, yeah, if you look at that, um, what I think helps us to vet that out Mm -hmm is what psychologist Alan Godwin talked about as the five reasonable muscles, Mm -hmm. okay? He says there's empathy, humility, responsibility, reliability, and awareness, or in our world, Mm self-awareness. That if you start to operate in the realm of those five reasonable muscles, then you can bring together logic and reason and come up with a better response in order to know whether this is a perceived offense or whether it is a real one. And even if it is a real one, those five reasonable muscles will help you to more effectively deal with that person in order to try to resolve the conflict. I
0: like to call those our emotional muscles. And these are muscles that can be developed. We do have to work at them at times. And when they are fully present in relationships, they enable us to have really healthy relationships. Can we run down quickly kind of what those actually are?
1: Yeah, with uh, with humility, basically humility says, um, you could be right, I could be wrong, let's talk. Mm-hmm. Empathy has two parts. Empathy would say, I wanna to try to walk in your shoes that if I were you, if I can see things through your lens, would I feel any different right now? Mm-hmm. And then secondly, Uh, it's personal in that if my personal wrongness has hurt you, Mm -hmm. I'm hurt by it it and I'm going to seek to correct it. Okay. And
0: for those who would lack empathy, the opposite of that is the idea that I'm only bothered when your personal wrongness hurts me. I'm not bothered when what's going on with me hurts you.
1: Exactly. And we are going to encounter folks like that who who have this muscle atrophied in their life, mm-hmm. uh, but we can't give up on them. No, uh, Responsibility is, is that sense of taking charge of the moment and, and being aware of what my side of the street is. Exactly. You know, I'm going to be responsible for me and I will honestly and objectively as I can take responsibility for me.
0: Exactly. When I become aware of how my personal wrongness has impacted you, I am going to do something about it to the extent I can.
1: And then reliability has to do with consistency. You know, I consistently behave in this way and when it comes to personal wrongness, I consistently own what's mine. Mm -hmm. And then finally with awareness and, Mm -hmm. and probably this is the, the key or foundational one of all of them is, is that, if I lack awareness, then I will miss something in a moment, much like your illustration a moment ago, mm-hmm. the dear lady didn't have awareness. And so as a consequence, she didn't hear that you were going to try to correct the wrong with all that you could, mm-hmm. uh, with all that was within your responsibility, you were going to take care of that. And she missed that. And that comes from not only not being an active listener, but it also comes from not having awareness in the moment.
0: Yeah. It definitely does. Um, we've all been there. Yeah. We've all been there. We've all gotten into situations where our awareness was clouded. And a lot of it is probably tied to experiences that we've had in the past. And we're operating off of things in the past, not what's happening right now.
1: And you know, it. it, <clears throat> it doesn't take much to go out of your way to go the extra mile and to not jump to a conclusion or an assumption. (laughs) um, You know, that's, that might be easier to jump to a conclusion and be justified uh, or, you know, to make an assumption. Once we make an assumption, it doesn't matter what the other person explains to us or does, we're not buying it.
0: No, I like how cognitive behavioral therapy really describes that. It's that those hot thoughts. Those are those thoughts we don't have to fight to get to. They are there and ready for us in mm-hmm. any given situation. And usually they are the most inaccurate <laughs> thought at the moment. And We have to slow down our processing to get to a thought that's going to be more productive.
1: Well, a simple illustration. Um, we took some vacation days last week and um we got out of town we we're in another city and i had time on my hands my wife was waiting for me in the van and i was just getting us a couple of bottles of water um the line was long mm-hmm. um it was the noon hour and naturally the line was long in this convenience store people were grabbing stuff for lunch mm. and i noticed a guy who obviously looked like he'd been working hard um had to step out of line and and came back to where I was looking for water. And, uh, you know, just as the situation would have it, I got way back up front and in line before him. And then he came in behind me and, you know, I, I, just in a moment, my, my awareness doorbell went off and I thought, you know, I really need to do this. So I turned to him and I said, it looks like you've been working really hard and it looks like you're kind of in a hurry. I got time on my hands today. You want to just go ahead of me? Mm -hmm. I noticed you were already up here and he couldn't thank me enough two Mm -hmm. or three times and was on his way. And I thought, you know, a lack of awareness would have said, well, he got out of line. Tough luck. You know, I don't want to stand here all day just purchasing two waters, Um, you know, He can wait (laughs) and that would have been a more natural thing to do. Mm -hmm. But you know, at that point being able to exercise the muscles and I haven't always been good at it. Let me just state that very clear. Mm -hmm. But exercising those muscles can take away a potential fight or the perception that, you know, I was being insensitive to him. Mm -hmm. Now, I could say, well, he forfeited his place in line. Tough luck.
0: I was in front of him. I had the right to go first. That's
1: exactly right. Or stop just for a nanosecond to think that through. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going anywhere. I had all day, and and so you know, at that point, learning how in those moments to do a cognitive shift, okay, I think is very important. And, and that's why, you know, what Brevere talks about really kind of dovetails with what Godwin talks about, mm-hmm. um, Brevere is looking more at the spiritual Godwin more at the clinical, but as you, as you mesh those two points together, I think you have a winning combination for avoiding potential conflicts because you're looking for a fight instead you're looking for peace.
0: Absolutely. How often do we move through the day and even interactions, especially with people that we don't know and we, we aren't consciously aware of their humanness or their experience. Right. Um, I eat out at least probably like a couple times a week. And so I interact fairly regularly with people that I don't know who are providing a service to me and there have been times where I thought the person who was providing a service to me was fairly rude and short and rushing things and I didn't like that experience because Mm -hmm. I initially felt fairly put off or like I wasn't somehow wasn't important. They don't know me. (laughs) In the grand scheme of things you would think oh that's not really a big deal but the feeling doesn't it doesn't feel good. Right. And I recognize that in those times, if I stop, acknowledge their humanness, and say, "Hey, you know what? Thank you. I appreciate you." Even something that is small, it makes a difference. And I've seen, um, I've seen um, servers; those are again in different capacities in stores. Like they look up, they make that eye contact, and they're like, "Wow!" Like you saw me, so I'm going and expecting them to serve me and to see me and to be glad I'm there spending my money. But what about the responsibility that I have towards them? And what about the difference that I could also make in creating that peace in their world and in the situation as well?
1: So that just, uh, that just triggers a thought in my mind. We need to see people as Jesus saw people. Mm-hmm. He saw them.
0: Yes, he did. So grateful he does.
1: Yes. And when he saw them, he felt great compassion for them. I know it's hard in the heat of a moment to feel compassion when you feel like um, that guy just cut you off in traffic. Um, He just offended you in line. He had no uh, indication that you were of any importance at all to what he was doing. But that's what Jesus did time and time again. And I think that, uh, you know, learning, learning to slow our brains down and engage these clinical things we're talking about are great. But ultimately, I think it takes uh, a heart tender to the Holy Spirit, listening to what Jesus would do in those moments, and then to the best of our ability, operating in those parameters
0: and i think that is interpersonal effectiveness at its finest yes it is we are not islands unto ourselves we are in this world with other people and we are constantly interacting with them you said as we're driving um in stores like there's there's no way around it if you're operating in society and so i think keeping these things in mind will help us avoid you know being on the verge of a fight or perhaps maybe somewhat more unconsciously looking for ways that people have done us wrong. Maybe take a step back and consider, you know, how are we treating other people? You know, as a simple question.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And once we do that, perhaps the offense isn't so great Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or of eternal importance. Yeah. I mean, I think we need to look at those moments more globally. Um, and, and think about it from the standpoint of not getting all that we can get out of it, but being all we can in the midst of it.
0: Absolutely.
1: So as an example here in our parking lot, you know, that a situation happened and, um, it, it involved, you know, my car Mm -hmm. and I realized in the moments between being notified and walking out there that this is not of eternal consequence. Mm -hmm. This is not fatal. Um, This is going to be okay. And accordingly, um, I interacted with the individuals involved and everything went well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, initially we can feel, a lot of things Mm -hmm. in those moments and question the veracity of someone's ability or in intellectual capacity
0: (laughs) in the worst possible ways. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. And, and while that momentarily hit me, I realized, no, no. What if that were me? Yes. Would I want grace from someone? Mm -hmm. Would I want understanding? Yes. I might've been stupid, you know, yes, I might have not been paying attention and yes, I own that, but would I want someone coming at me, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think, you know, again, society seems to have taken a a, a twist here since COVID. I, I, I go back to that, Tiffany, because I think that was a catalyst or a kind of a launching point for some of this more crazy stuff we've been seeing in society since then. Yeah. And being able to say, all right, wait a minute, slow your brain down, employ these muscles, think about how Jesus sees the moment, and temper the way that you respond.
0: Absolutely. I will say, and this might sound a little controversial, but sometimes we just have to Allow ourselves to be done wrong. And I'm not saying place yourself in a position where someone Mm -hmm. is constantly doing you wrong. I'm saying if someone has said something that is, you know, is offensive at some point in time, if it, if you can, let it go. (laughs) To the extent that you can, just let it go because not everything needs a response. There's two things that I try to keep in mind when dealing with people. One, it's really hard to hate people up close. So there's always something behind what you're mm-hmm. seeing whether someone has an attitude with you if if you didn't know them and you didn't have an interaction with them before you're experiencing that it really has nothing to do with you you may right. be the recipient that may be unfair but it's not you so right, right on let it go yep. and then the second thing is i remember is if you caught me on my worst day you would think very differently of me right but keep in mind that sometimes You might catch me at a moment. That's not the sum total of who I am. It's not my finest moment. And I need grace, like you said. And my hope is that I would receive that. And if I'm hoping to receive it, just like seed planting, we have to plant it. That means we have to give it as well.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, Godwin would say in those moments that humility and empathy are working together Mm -hmm. to create um, a better response or if that response has already been given to go back and say, would you forgive me? Mm -hmm. I I wasn't on my game in that moment and I really need to own that. And, um, I want to apologize for offending you. Uh, you know, and you know, that's, that is such a key component to this because none of us do it right all the time. Mm -mm. And, you know, we don't, we don't. And, and we have to, you know, we have to be aware that part of the way that we create space with people to allow time to heal and to, and to bring peace is to have that sense of personal ownership of what I'm doing, not what you're doing.
0: Absolutely. And family therapy, um, we call that oftentimes you go and you make the repair. Because there's going to be fractures. Our relationships don't have to stay broken. We can repair them to the, again, to the extent that we can fix things. Um, but oftentimes we need to go back and make those repairs and we hope that we get forgiveness. Um, and we also need to work to extend that as well, because that keeps us out of offense it sure does. keeps us from perpetuating that in our relationships because quite frankly, Howard, it is very, very stressful to always be living on the verge of a fight.
1: Oh, the, the energy consumption, the emotional, uh, you know, input that that uh, requires, uh, sends cortisol coursing through a person's system and that consumes serotonin, which is your mood stabilizer. And, mm-hmm then causes a cascade of other brain chemicals to get just slightly out of control. And then behaviorally we're ripe for something wrong to happen. And Mm -hmm. it, and it takes a lot more energy to keep that up than it does to just take a breath and do what we're talking about and say, Lord, curb my impulses, Mm -hmm. help me to think things through, help me to see others as you do help me to walk as you walk in the light and help me to be a witness as they do it. I you know I think that's where we need to be.
0: Amen. So ladies and gentlemen, if Anything that we've shared today has made a difference for you. Um, we pray that you would um, pass this podcast on to friends, family, anyone that you believe would benefit from it or listen to it again. We um, have a Facebook page, Healing Hope and Restoration Podcast. So you're more than welcome to um, shout us out on our Facebook page. Um, again, this is healing, hope and restoration. Our goal is to, um, start mental health inspired conversations and mm-hmm. hope to promote just what the title of our podcast is healing, hope and restoration in your life.
1: Yes. And, and before we close, uh, again, it's John Brevere's book, the bait of Satan mm-hmm. and Alan Godwin's book, how to solve your people problems.
0: Yes. Both very, very good yeah. reads. We both have vetted those books and highly recommend them. <laughs>
1: Well, folks, as always, it's been our privilege to uh, speak to you today, and we hope the Lord will bless and anoint your day uh, and give you guidance. And with that, I will say, God bless and shalom.
0: The information contained in our podcast and on our social media pages is for informational purposes only. All views expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which we have been, are now, or will be affiliated. The information is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition. If you are experiencing mental health symptoms, we encourage you to contact a mental health provider in your community. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room.